Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. You guys can be seated. So excited to get to share with you guys today. You can tell on your seats you have a paper airplane. I know how many of you already are just itching to fly it. You just want to fly it right now. Just hold on. We'll get there. (laughs) Today we're going to talk about the 12 seconds that changed the world. How many of you are from North Carolina? From North Carolina originally? Yeah, me too. I'm from North Carolina. So what is North Carolina most known for? The first flight. You know, I I dare to say that most of your um, uh, license plates out in the parking lot right now probably have a picture of the first flight, and it says first flight on it. I know you had a choice with that. A lot of you probably do have that on your license plate right now. So I'm originally from North Carolina, uh, but from the mountain area. And so um, I'd never been to the Outer Banks before um, until this year. Me and uh, my husband Paul, we went on vacation over uh, Memorial Day in May to Kitty Hawk to, uh, and on vacation for a week. And I'd never been to the Outer Banks. We always go to the beach somewhere else. And so how many of you have been there before to the Outer Banks? Yeah, so it's really cool. I can't believe I've never been there before. And so we went and uh, we were doing all of the sites and going around. So we went to the Wright Brothers Memorial um, and to see how many of you have been there before? Yeah, see a lot. Okay, see all of you guys have been there and I've never been there. So I'm really excited about this. So you guys probably already know about this. However, I was really excited to go. So we visited the Wright Brothers Memorial. And, um, and so I'm going to put this picture up of, of the, the memorial engraving on top of the, um, they have this huge monument that's on top of the sand dune. And yes, it looks like that. And so this is what it says. I've got a couple, it's, this is spliced together, but I've got a couple of uh, Uh, pictures here to say it says in commemoration of the conquest of the air by the brothers Wilbur and Orville Wright conceived by genius achieved by dauntless resolution and unconquerable faith that's what it says or it's what's engraved around that monument and here's why I'm going to talk to you about here's why so I'm going to give you a little history lesson here so their father Milton Wright he was a pastor and he was a circuit preacher and he traveled all the time and so he expanded all of his children's uh, minds with an extensive library of books and then also he wrote letters a lot wherever he was from and or wherever he was ministering at and he would send them home so they got lots of letters um, from his from their father so it would connect him because he had to be gone a lot because he was always out preaching. Susan Wright was their mom and her father was a carriage uh, designer, a master craftsman in both wood and metal. And so she was also very mechanically inclined and taught her boys and the rest of her children how to make a lot of different things. And so in 1878, Milton, their father, brings home this little toy helicopter from overseas and it looks like this. Anybody ever saw one of these? So he brings home one of these. All right, I'll hold this. And, um, and so they, the, the, the kids, Orville and uh, Wilbur, start playing with it until they completely wear it out, until it won't fly anymore. So they start building them on their own. They start making all the parts and building it on their own because they were fascinated with it. He's wound this up. This is rubber bands. Let me see how it'll fly. Okay, nice, okay. (laughs) 
All right, we'll just leave that right where it is. So they start making their own copies. So then they start thinking while they're in, they're in grade school, they think we can sell these to our friends. This is awesome. So that's what they do. They start selling it to their friends. One time, uh, Oralville's uh, teacher called him making or messing with one of the pieces while he was supposed to be studying. And he told her that he and Wilbur planned to build a craft large enough to carry them both one day when they were kids. And their early experiments were a flop. They figured out that they found that the bigger that they made the helicopter, the worse it flew. Okay, so they were even as children fascinated with flight and working on that. So when they were teenagers, Orville and Wilbur both had a printing business. They were entrepreneurs even in their early years. Even in their, They both dropped out of high school. And in their early years, they started a printing business. And so that funded... Um, their hobbies, one of their hobbies, they started riding bicycles for fun. They loved it. Then they got more to where they opened up a bicycle shop. Then they started building bicycles. Then they started racing bicycles across country and all kinds of stuff like that. And so, um, so it was really fascinating that they figured out that they even also, they built their own internal combustion engine to run the power tools in their bicycle shop in 1892. 1892. Now, in a flash of insight, they realized that balance is also the key to flying an airplane. So when they're flying, you know, the balance to keep you on, on there, they figured out that that was very key in flying an airplane. And so with that, they started find, every, reading everything that they could on the subject of aviation. In 1899, um, Wilbur's twisting a long slender box in his hand and the idea hit him for the aircraft, aircraft control system. By warping the wings, he could control roll, banking an aircraft right and left. And then they test it on a kite and it works really well. The summer, spring, summer of 1900, um, Wilbur writes to the Weather Bureau and said, and to find out where the best wind was. And he settles on Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, because the high winds would help launch a, gl a glider and the soft sands of all the dunes would cushion a rough landing. So that's why they chose um, Kitty Hawk. In the fall of 1900, the Wright's um, brothers built their first glider, the wing warping controls, and a flight at Kitty Hawk. And it does not produce enough lift, but the controls work well, so they were encouraged enough to try it. So they're in Dayton, Ohio, so they pack up this glider. It takes them seven days to get from Dayton, Ohio to Kitty Hawk. They have to take two trains and two boats because the Outer Banks, there was no bridge there then. <laughs> so it takes them seven days just to get there. And so then they get there, and then they put it all together. Now, then by themselves, they can't, they can't carry this glider up to sand dune by themselves. So they enlist the help of the life-saving crew. There's a life-saving crew right there on the beach. If you've ever been to the Outer Banks and ate at the Black Pelican, that's where they hang out. That was, that's the original life-saving crew headquarters, and that restaurant is still there. We ate there for lunch. I didn't know that at the time when I started studying this. I was like, whoa, we were right there. And so, um, so the life... Uh, the life-saving crew, just think Coast Guard. That was their, their days that that was the Coast Guard at, their, at that point. Okay, so then um, they take this glider and have these uh, life-saving crew help drag it up these dunes hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. So let's take a look at the picture of the dunes now. Okay, so you can see here that this is, this is the top of the dunes standing at the bottom and you walk to the top. Now they covered it with grass because they wanted to preserve it. So they, they, uh, 
they have sown grass and it's covered now but at the time this is what it looked like it was just sand dunes and this is the glider this is actually a photograph of them getting the glider ready and then them launching the glider at the top of the hill now this is me I took this picture standing on top looking down after I was sucking wind and couldn't breathe and I only carried my phone and my water bottle to the top okay just that it was my water bottle was probably half full because I was drinking it and my phone hardly weighs anything and I was drug myself to the top halfway up and I had to like take a breath at the at the top I'm not the fittest but I'm getting there but oh my goodness I just can't even imagine how much it took for them to for them to climb those dunes now up the street we did uh, climb the dunes um, where there was actual dunes just walking on sand on flat ground is enough am I right okay in flip-flops you're like oh my gosh can we ever get back to the house you know what I mean but going up the dune was like you know we, we went up there we were gonna go up to the top to see the sunset and then I got to the top finally made it to the top of the dune and I'm like oh my gosh you have to go all the way down this dune and go up to the next one I'm like you know I just can't breathe and I'm like um you know what is the sunset really this important is it really gonna be this is it gonna be this awesome I mean like there's gonna be another one tomorrow <laughs> Do I really want, you know, and after I just kind of got my breath for a second, I thought, okay, it's worth it. And it's, a, and again, I'm carrying my phone and my water bottle. That's it, you know. And so I just can't imagine that these guys carried this thing. I think it was like 600 pounds, drug it up that hill hundreds of times over and over again to test this. I mean, what were they saying in their brains, really, this life-saving life crew? Are they saying, man, these boys are crazy. I don't know what they're doing, but they are crazy. I, like, it, have we ever said that? It's too hard. I don't really want to do this anymore. We ever sound like that sometimes? You know, why are we doing this again? Is the sunset really that important? You ever said that? I'm serving on a team here. Why are we doing this again? Why is it that we're doing this? How long is it going to take us to set this up? How long is it going to take us to get through this? How long is it going to take us to get this project done? Really? My team leader is crazy. You know, we say, well, sometimes we say, okay. In summer of 1901, the second glider is a disappointment. The controls don't work as well as the first glider, and it produces no more lift. They contemplate on giving up. At this point, they're like, I think, you know, I think we're done. We have done this. By 1902, they had, they had pulled that thing up the hill a thousand times. A thousand experiments that they have tested this glider. A thousand. That's a lot. That's like a hundred hundreds. No, I don't do math in my head. A lot, okay? What if this was the end of their story? So they're like, man, you know, we tried it. We gave it a good run. They tried. They were discouraged. They almost gave up. What if this was the end of their story? What if this was the end right here? What if they'd given up at this point? Is this the end of some of your dreams and your goals? Have you had a story like this and you stopped at this point and said, no, I gave it a good run? Is this where your story stopped? Fall of, two, uh, fall of 1901 to spring of 1902, after a speech that Wilbur gives to the Western Society of Engineers is well received, he and Orville decide to carry on. This speech is well received and he got so much encouragement that he was ready to move on. Encouragement. We all need it and thrive on it. Most of us don't get enough and we don't give enough encouragement to the people around us. 
Sometimes we think that, we think, man, they did a great job on that. Or, man, that's really awesome. And then we never think to tell the person. We do it all the time. And, but we all, we all need more encouragement. You know why that is? I know you've probably heard me say this before. But do you know that we are created in the image of God? Do you know that God loves praise? He loves it when we worship Him. He loves praise. He loves for us to tell Him how awesome He is. And we're created in His image, so guess what? We like that too. Because we're made like Him, right? Okay? So, um, so they decide, that with that encouragement, they decide to, to move on. So they tested 200 wing shapes. They even built a wind tunnel to test them. And then uh, to find out which one produces the most lift, and then they decided on which one was the best design. In the fall of 1902, the Wright's third glider produces the expected lift, and it's hard to control in a turn, but they decide to make it the tail movable, and that cures the problem. So they make flight after flight gliding over 600 feet, and they begin to plan a powered machine. So in the winter of 1902 to summer of 1903, um, the Wright's, they contact all these engine manufacturers and look for uh, people to design propellers, but nobody made them, so they make their own. They design and made their own, and they invent a method to design efficient propellers that still to this day is 66% efficient today. In the fall of 1903 to the winter of 1903, the Wrights construct their first powered flyer at Kitty Hawk. It took a month to build it, and then they test the engine. It warps the drive shaft. So Orville has to go back to Dayton, again, seven days to get back, and builds a new drive shaft out of steel and brings it back. So all the way there, builds it, and then comes back. It takes a week to get back. And in December of, of why did I say 2000? It's 1900. I know it's a really long time ago. 1903. By December 12th, the new shafts were in place, and the flyer was working perfectly, but the wind was too light to try to fly it. The flyer needed a good headwind to take off. December 13th. 1903. It was breezy and perfect for flying. This was the, the day to do it. Conditions were perfect. There was enough wind and everything. It's cold. It's December and Kitty Hawk. The wind's cold. However, perfect day for flying, but it was Sunday. And the brothers promised their father that they would never fly on Sunday. So on the evening of December 16th, there was an ominous black line of clouds on the horizon. A nor'easter was brewing at Kitty Hawk. The next morning, the rain left puddles of ice between the sand dunes. The wind was gusting in a fierce 30 miles an hour and creating a wind chill factor of four degrees. Four degrees, but they decide to try it because they wanted to get home for Christmas. They decided, we're gonna go ahead, we've come this far, we wanna get home for Christmas, and if we don't try this now, then we're not getting home for Christmas. So a little past 10 in the morning, they took a gamble and nailed a red blanket to the side of their hangar. This was a prearranged signal to the life-saving um, crew for them to come out and help them drag that thing out. <laughs> now, at this time, they didn't have to drag it up the hill. They built a long um, a runner, and they had to just pull it out of the hangar so they could get it set up because now they have a motor to propel it. Okay, so they wait. And so they waited, they began laying out the wooden track, it's about 200 feet from the hangar. So now, these five men from the life-saving crew, it's four degrees in December, there's ice puddles on the ground. They left a cozy station with a warm fire to work in icy, biting wind to help two eccentric Yankees drag a 600-pound thing out of the hangar across the frozen sand. That's what kind of volunteers that we have here at Living Word. 
If, you're that, if you are the kind of men that these guys were, there's room for you on the parking lot team. Can I get an amen from our parking lot people? They are out there when it's hot, they are out there when it's cold, and I'm sure they would love to have you as part of their team. But this is the kind of volunteers that we have here. There should be a monument to the life-saving crew somewhere in Kitty Hawk. I mean, seriously. Without volunteers, who, who knows where the Wright brothers would be? They wouldn't be able to do this by themselves. So let's take a look at these guys. They look real happy. Let's look, see all their smiles. Nope, let's go back. Life-saving crew. There we go. Look, see how happy they were? <laughs> So this is an actual photo of them pulling it out of the hangar there. And then this is them getting ready for it to fly. So that in the background is the dune up on top where they were testing the glider. So now it's going to go the other way. Okay. So see, they're happy. All right. So let's, take, let's read for a second. I'm going to read this, just the account of what happened that morning. By 1030 in the, in the morning, the Wrights and their crew had the flyer positioned on its launching trail. Wilbur and Orville pulled the propellers and the engine coughed and sputtered as it, as it awoke. While the w- motor was warming up, the brothers stepped aside for a moment by themselves. We couldn't help but notice how they held on to each other's hands, sort of like two folks parting who weren't sure if they would ever see each other again, said one of the life-saving crew. It was Orville's turn to fly as he took his position on the flyer. He instinctively did what a good pilot has done since then before takeoff. He checked his controls, um, moving, the, moving the elevator, warping the wings, and turning the rudder while Orville was doing this. So they flipped a coin. That's how they decided who was going to fly. So Wilbur enlists Daniels, one of the life-saving crew, to snap a photo just as the flyer reached the end of the rail. He also requested the crew not to look too sad, but to laugh and holler and crap, clap and try to cheer them on as or- Orville when he, when he went up. The air was heavy with history as Wilbur was trying to lighten the somber mood. About 10.35, Orville loosens the w- restraining wire and the machine began to move down the rail into a bitter wind that was now gusting 27 miles an hour and Wilbur ran alongside. Two-thirds of the way down the rail, the flyer lifted into the air and the, the crew cheered. That was the first time that it had left the ground on its own, the first flight. Just as quickly, Orville threw the elevator up and the machine dived up again, down again for a breathtaking 12 seconds. And the flyer landed, pilot and airplane, um, intact except for one cracked skid. For the first time ever, a flying machine had took off from level ground, traveled through the air, and landed of its, of its own control of its pilot. So while carrying the airplane back to the launching point, the men discussed possibly of, ret- of repairing the elevator to make it a long flight. Maybe they could make it all the way to Kitty Hawk, which is four miles away. But just as they put the machine down to take a rest, a sudden gust of wind picked it up, one of the wings. Daniels jumped to grab a strut and caught it as a bracing wire as the machine rolled over and over again. When it came to rest, it was nothing but kindling, wood, and torn cloth. So as soon as that took off, <laughs> and so wouldn't you just give your give anything to hear what the message that their their father preached the next Sunday. <laughs> I wonder what that was. So the photo, this is the actual photo of the first flight. This is it. This is an actual photo. So Daniels was one of the three men from the life-saving station. The camera was actually owned by the Wrights brothers. Orville Wright set up his tripod. He focused the camera for the correct distance. He prepared the film folder. He tells Daniel, when you see something awesome happen, squeeze the bulb. 
<laughs> That's what he says. Daniels had never even seen a camera before. He didn't know how to work it or anything like that. So when the flyer leaves the ground, he was so excited, he almost forgot to squeeze the bull. So you can imagine, you can't just look right there in your phone and say, see how this turned out? So weeks passed before the brothers even knew if they, if they got the shot or not. And when they get back home to Dayton, Ohio, they developed the plates in their dark room, and this is what they caught. This is the actual photograph. So just think about how this 12 seconds impacted our world. Just think about just getting on a plane and flying from here to Atlanta or here to Charlotte or flying across the world. Just think what that did, just the impact of the gospel, getting the gospel to the world alone, how much flying has changed that. It doesn't take six months to just get to a destination to minister to a people group. You can get on a plane and be almost anywhere within 24 to 48 hours, anywhere on the planet. And, and, and just, the, just how that changed the world. And so um, now when we were walking through the visitor center, uh, these are the posters, this next frame, this is the posters that were on the wall of just the timeline of what happened. And so I was intrigued by the questions at the bottom of each one. And these are the questions. Who or what inspires you? Where do you go to learn? How do you overcome a setback? What motivates you to work hard? What are you willing to do to achieve your dream? So I thought, those are great questions. I need to answer them. And I need to help you answer them as well. So that's what we're going to do right now. Number one, if you're taking notes today. Number one, who or what inspires you? Who do you follow on social media? I know that some of you are like, I don't do Instagram because nobody cares what, I, what kind of sandwich I had for lunch, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You know, it's not so much about that. You know what? We do care. I actually do care what you had for lunch. Or I do care about your post of your kids. I do care about those things. So, but the thing is, is when we first got uh, social media and we started using Twitter or started using um, uh, Facebook and, and things like that, it was about who I was following more than it was about what I posted. It was about who do I want to speak into my life? Who inspires me? Whose voice is inspiring you? What inspires you in your business, in your life? Who do you let speak into your life? You know, I let my team speak into my life. They inspire me. My pastor, he inspires me. I let him speak into my life. The staff that we have, and we started doing a rotation where we let all, all the staff that wanted to uh, teach at staff devotions, they inspire me. They are great teachers all the way around. You, you know what? You should hear what our staff says about you behind your back. It's amazing the stuff that they say and how they talk about you. They are um, so excited at everything that we do and all the life-changing stories and all the things that, that uh, your team accomplishes and that what you guys do. Uh, the vision of living word is um, Acts 2, 41 through 47. Let's go there in our Bibles. This vision inspires me. Does it inspire you? We have, we have um, condensed this vision down to believe, belong, become. Are you connected to the vision of this house? Are you really connected? If this is your church, you should be. If this is your church, it should inspire you. It should inspire you. And so Acts 2, 41 says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that same day they were added, they, they were added about 3,000 souls. And they, 
we're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking bread of the loaves and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders and miracles uh, took place through the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to to all according as anyone had need and continuing with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they shared their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved and so this is the vision of this house this should inspire you this is what we're trying to do the believe belong become Okay, and we'll break that down just a little bit more. So all of you have a paper airplane in your uh, seat. So what I want you to do is what answer this question. A couple of key words, how, however you want to write it, just who or what inspires you. Just add a couple of key words. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's something about the vision. Whatever it is, just a couple of key words of what or who inspires you. Okay? All right, number two. Where do you go to learn? Where do you go to learn? What classes are you taking to get you where you want to go? What is it that your dream is, your goal is? What is that end goal? And what are you doing to learn to get there? What books are you reading and listening to? What YouTube channels are you subscribing to and watching how to do that or how to produce that or how to build that or how to do whatever? How many of you watch YouTube channels to learn how to do anything? I don't care what it is, YouTube has a way to do it and it explains how to exactly, I, I'm a visual learner, so they, this shows me exactly step by step on how to do that braid or to get this curl or whatever that you want, whatever it is that you are trying to do. Ever, so don't lack knowledge. In this day and age, there is no excuse for you to lack knowledge in any area. It, there's all kinds of places that you can find it here. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests to me. Since you have forgotten the law of your, of your God, I will also forget your sons, even I. So on Sundays, this is where I come to learn. On Sundays, this is where I come to learn. This is the belief part of the vision here. This is our classroom right now. You're in the classroom. You are learning. You are gaining knowledge right now that will help you tomorrow. We come to give God our worship, and then we learn during the message. That's what we do during this time. So I want you to answer that question. Just jot a couple of words down. Where do you go to learn? What classes are you taking? What are things that you need to just remember when you leave here? Oh, yeah, I need to look that up. I need to see if they have a class on this. Yeah, I need to sign up for that yeah I need to go talk to that person because they built what I want to build they've done what I want to do what is that for you just jot a couple of things down number three how do you overcome a setback when you pursue a goal or a dream you're gonna have challenges it's gonna happen how do you deal with those what do you deal with how do you deal with those when you have a setback have you given up and said, I've tried this 10 different ways, so it must not be God's will for me to go down this road? Or, I'm tired, I just can't do this anymore. Or, I've been trying to diet, but I gain weight, so bring on the Krispy Kreme diet. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> or, are you diligent? Diligent means intense effort. Are you diligent? Are you determined to overcome a setback? Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's how you overcome. The blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. 
The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, that is how you overcome. The blood of the lamb applied to your life and exactly what you need. He said that he would give you wisdom if you ask for it liberally, that you don't lack anything, that he's given you everything that pertains to this life. and, and, and God, he, He's given you everything that you need. So the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, the words that come out of your mouth, that's how you overcome. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Um, James 1 2 through 6 says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your life, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get it out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can come mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get this help and won't be, and won't be condescended when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. That's what the Word says. Galatians 6.9 says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if you don't give up or quit. If you don't give up or quit. If you don't give up or quit. So that's the way you do that. That's the way you overcome a setback. No matter what happens, you don't give up or quit, and you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Setbacks, um, we, we have them. It happens. We're going to have challenges in our lives. What about setbacks and and volunteering or, or, try, or trying out a meetup? Maybe you've been in a meetup and you're like, I'm not really sure if I, if I fit here if this is. I'm going to try this one. Try it. Get one. Don't give up. Find out what works for you and be diligent. Maybe you've tried one team and you're volunteering here on one team and it's like, oh, I'm not sure. And Just don't give up or quit. If it doesn't fit you, go, go you know, do, it, do something else. Find something that fits you and get in it and go for it. Okay? And so now I want you to jot a couple things on your airplane. Just how do you overcome a setback? What do you need to remember? What are the, what are the key words? A couple words that's just going to help you in remembering what you want to do about this point. Okay? Number four, what motivates you to work hard? Your family? Your spouse? You know, your family is counting on you to keep your word of what to do what you said you were going to do. You need to put in your work, put in the work to fulfill your goals and your dreams. You have to do more. You don't have to do more talking. If you talk about it all the time and don't do anything about it, that's not going to get you anywhere. You can talk about it all day long, but until you put some action behind it and do something about it, then you're not going to get anywhere. So do more doing. Do more doing. Successful people do more. They practice more. They come early and stay late. They run the fundamentals, the basics, over and over and over and over. And then they run them over and over and over again. Over again. They do more. So what are you doing? What, are you, what motivates you to work hard? Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So work hard. Do something about your dream. Do something about um, what you do here to fulfill this vision of this house. Volunteer, be in a meetup. All of those things are helping us to fulfill that vision. So, um, are you inspired here to create the environment? 
So that's what the, uh, you know, verse 47 is that we do everything that we can so that we create the environment for God to add to the church those that are being saved. So you, are you inspired to create the environment? Are you inspired? It, being on a team, it takes all of us together. When you volunteer on a team, you work hard and see that that environment is created for God to add to the church those that are being saved. We come with expectation, with purpose. If you're volunteering on a team, you're never late. You're always on time. You, you, you are on your post for the children, for the people that you are uh, ministering to. You know, for your team leader, you would never show up and just think, wow, they can do without me or call in and say, yep, I, don't, I just can't be there. You know, are you, are, you, are you doing that? If you are, have intense effort and you are working hard to create the environment, then you don't do those things. We have the best volunteers, so you guys don't do any of that, I'm sure. That you guys don't do that because you are willing to do whatever it takes to create the environment for God to add to the church those that are being saved. If you aren't a team, we have, the, we have opportunities in every department. Find out about it, join us. We love it, we have a great time. All of our teams do all kinds of different things and, and it's a lot of fun being on the team here. Colossians 3, 23 says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive a reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So at, when you are volunteering and you open the door for somebody or greet somebody and say good morning, you are doing that as unto the Lord. When you're taking care of a child in a classroom and changing a diaper or helping them with their praise and worship or um, putting out their Cheez-Its on their little tables, you are doing that as unto the Lord. When you are up here on the stage, as unto the Lord. When you're ushering and helping somebody to find a seat, as unto the Lord. When you sell somebody a Coke, it's as unto the Lord. We are creating the environment for God to add to the church those that are being saved. It takes all of us to do that together, okay? All right, so take a couple, uh, take a minute, and just what motivates you to work hard? Jot a couple things on your airplane, okay? Then the last point, what are you willing to do to achieve your dream? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to fail? Are you willing to fail more than once? Are you willing to take a calculated risk? What are you gonna do to make it happen? You know, I am inspired at the Wright Brothers story and what they were willing to do over and over and over again. It's amazing to me. It's fascinating to me. Again, I was carrying my phone and my water bottle up the dune. <laughs> and that's all I had to carry. And I, didn't even, I wasn't even sure I wanted to go over the next dune to see the sunset. They carried this up hundreds of times, a thousand times. I, I, it's just overwhelming to me to even think that they had that much determination. Do I have half as much determination to see the, uh, this, uh, the vision of this house fulfilled? Am I inspired that much to see that fulfilled? Am I willing to do whatever it takes to achieve the dream here of what we are doing, what we are building here? You know, what are you willing to do to achieve the vision? What are you willing to do in your own personal life to achieve your dream or your vision for your business, for your life, for your family, for your children. What does that mean for you? Our vision, to believe, this means that we take notes, we learn from Pastor Steve on Sunday morning. That's our, that's our classroom. To belong is serving on a team, going to a meetup, getting in a meetup so we pray together and eat together. That's what we do. We have a fun time and, uh, and I'm gonna refrain from plugging my meetup. Everybody's meetup is fantastic, but ours is awesome. And so, just saying international night tomorrow night okay become become is outreach get involved go and be a part of the outreach that we are doing here okay and in all of that what are you willing to do because 
this is the question that we ask about our outreach. If we disappeared, if this church disappeared, would our, would our community even know it? Or would they even care? Would they, would they even know it if we disappeared? Or would they even care? If they wouldn't notice it, then we're not doing enough to reach out to our community. It takes all of us to do that. It takes all of us uh, pushing back our schedule, making time for it. Yes, we are busy. We have busy lives. We have lots of things that we have to do uh, throughout the week. But a part of giving back is worth it because we want to be a light in our community. Be a part of the life-saving crew. Be a part of that. Bring your friends, bring your coworkers, bring your family to church. Um, we, you know, bringing them to church and and um, getting them here so they can hear the word, so they can get plugged in. Ephesians four, Ephesians six eight says, "What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you." Okay, so write a couple things, jot a couple things down on your airplane right now. What motivates you to work hard? Jot a couple things down on your airplane. So now you've jotted a couple things down on your airplane. I want you to write your name on your airplane. Put your name somewhere on it. I want you to just take a look at what you wrote. This is everything that represents your life and life here. So now we're going to take action with launching these today, launching all of these things. Okay? So I want everybody to stand up with your airplane. Everybody stand up. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just hold on to it for a minute. Because before I do anything else, I want to give you guys the opportunity. Um, all of this, doing all of these things and creating this environment, it does take the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. But if you don't have a relationship with God, then I'm going to give you that opportunity today. God loves you so much. He created you to have a relationship with Him. That's why He, that's why he sent Jesus to earth. When sin came into the world, it separated us from God. And so when he sent Jesus here, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. He came here on, on earth and walked as a human being so he would know exactly how you feel. He, he's felt and understands what every human emotion feels like. And he's given us the opportunity today to make a decision what we want to do about it. He also gave us free will. You can do life on your own or commit your life to Christ. So, I'm going to give you that opportunity today before we move on with the service. I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're like that here today and you do not have a relationship with Christ, you know that your heart is not right with Him, I want to ask you, do you want to become a follower of Christ today? If that's you, maybe... Maybe you used to serve God and maybe your heart is far from Him and you want to come back to Him today and you want that. You want all of these things to be active in your life and you know that your heart is not right with Him. I want to give you that opportunity. If, if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up. You can put it right back down where you stand. Take this opportunity. You're not here by accident today. This is not a, mis a mistake that you're here. But take the opportunity today to choose Him. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand up. You can put it right back down where you stand. Anybody like that here today? God, I 
I just thank you so much, Lord, for this congregation. I thank you so much, Lord, that that we bring our friends and our coworkers and our uh, family, God, and they come to find life in you. We thank you so much, Lord, for everyone here, that you would just bless them. As we bring our friends, God, that people find Christ here, that we create the environment so that you're adding to the church those that are being saved. And we thank you, Lord, for that opportunity right now in the name of Jesus. Okay? So, all of you, I want you to hold up your airplane in the air right now. And I just want you to, I want to pray over these things, okay? God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, for every airplane that is in the air right now. I thank you for every person that it represents, and I thank you so much, God, that you are accomplishing every single one of these things, that you purpose in our hearts, that we put the doing behind the talking, and that we get it done. I thank you so much, God, that, um, that we go after our dreams and our goals, that we fulfill the vision of this house, and that everything is accomplished in Jesus' name. As we launch these today, I thank you, Lord, that it is a signification of what you are going to do in our lives in Jesus name amen amen so now what I want you to do was we're gonna fly our airplanes you might want to watch where it goes if you want to so you'll know to go pick it up or you can just leave it right where it's at and you can go find it after we dismiss today it's your call okay so but in in the meantime I think we need some paper airplane flying music so if you'll hold on for a second okay all right you ready okay all right, let's launch your airplane. Fly it. There we go. Yes. Come on. Hold up your lighters. All right. Awesome. <laughs> All right, you guys can be seated. Or if you know where your airplane went, you can get it, but you can get it in a minute. Okay? <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to, um, uh, to speak to you guys today. It was my pleasure to do so. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much.